Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Clinton Orr. Thanks for being on the show, Clinton. Thanks for having me, Whitney. Yeah, honored to have you on the show. It's a great topic for uh, this industry that you better know something about this topic or you better know somebody that's a specialist, I guess I should say, uh, like Clinton, because it's, it's such an important piece of this business that we're all in. And so I'm going to let him explain. I'm going to tell you a little more about Clinton. But first, I want to tell you, make sure you're going to the Facebook group, The Real Estate Syndication Show, and getting involved there and, and asking experts uh, like Clinton and, and other people in their questions about you know what you have going on and connecting with other people in your market and other markets as well. And so get in the group, go to LifeBridge Capital and connect with me. And so we can talk uh, personally and help you any way I can. If you're enjoying the show, I hope you will share it and I hope you uh, will leave a rating and a written review. I would be grateful for that uh, as well. So other people can, can learn about the show and learn and grow their business as well. So a little about Clinton. He's a specialist in multifamily insurance and a commercial lines coverage specialist. Since 2011, he has insured all types of multifamily properties across the United States and has become an expert in Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac loans. His passion for real estate started at a young age, watching his parents successfully invest in real estate. At the age of 19, Clinton started his own real estate investment company while attending the University of Central Florida and has invested in many types of properties. Since starting his career in insurance, his goal has always been to take the mundane and mysterious world of insurance and teach it to investors as a tool to maximize profitability and to assist in both the sale and acquisition of properties. So Clinton, thank you again for your time. I appreciate you, you know, being on the show today with us because this is such an important, you know, piece of our business. We got to have insurance. Right. I mean, because you just, it's a must, right? And yes, we're going to have absolutely. it. But, you know, and I find even more importantly, you know, it's a, so important to have somebody like yourself that's a specialist on our team. So, you know, so we can go to you and say, Clinton, okay, this is the type of deal we're looking at. What's the insurance going to run? What are some things we need to be thinking about here um, that maybe we wouldn't think of? Maybe we're in a different market. You know, we're going into a new market. I don't know. It's exceedingly cold in this market or hot or, you know, they're exposed to more hurricanes or, you know, all these things that you may not think of without a specialist on your team like yourself. And so, you know, appreciate your time again. Tell us a little about, you know, what you do and let's dive in. Great. I appreciate it, Whitney. Um, I just want to start off by saying thank you for having me on. I listen to your show, your podcast on a regular basis, and it's good to be rubbing shoulders with some of the people I've got to listen to in the past. So thank you for those kind words. As far as kind of what we see and what we do, we try to dub ourselves the real estate investors, you know, insurance specialist. We, we deal a lot with syndications individuals, large groups, small groups, large portfolios, small portfolios. What we try to do on the front end with some of our syndications is help with your underwriting. There's been a huge shift probably in the last 18 months in the insurance market. So it's gotten hard, especially in the multifamily world. So what that means is, is prior to 18 months ago, insurance companies had what they called reinsurance companies. So it was basically an insurance company for an insurance company. 
and large institutional finance invested heavily into reinsurance companies because the returns were so good for them. And that happened year over year, pretty much 2011 to 2017, 18. At that point, if you turned on a TV, you saw floods, snowstorms, earthquakes, California wildfires. Well, that has led to reinsurance companies paying out on insurance claims, which means that institutional finance was then getting lower returns on their money that they were investing into reinsurance companies. So they had decided at that point, well, we're going to pull our money out because there's better investment tools we can use. And that left insurance companies kind of sitting around, okay, well, how do we remain profitable? Well, what they've done is they have increased rates. They have made underwriting guidelines much tougher. And I'm sure a lot of you that have properties or that are looking at properties are experiencing these increase in insurance premiums. So what we try to do is team up with investors on the front end and say, okay, look, if you are going to underwrite something, you need us to look at this or just an insurance professional to look at this because at the end of the day, insurance is the most volatile line item on a pro forma. Your taxes are pretty much going to be your taxes. Your property management fees are going to be your property management fees. Your rents, you know, obviously you can raise your rents, but your insurance, it can be we had a situation probably about four or five months ago where the current owner had a fire claim and she was trying to sell her property. The fire claim, we were able to work with this particular carrier and get them to overlook the fire claim due to it had previous insurance just without deep diving into that. Anyway, we were able to lower her insurance by about $30,000 a year, which increased the property value, the sale price by $400,000. So little things like that, just being able to look at a line item and say, we should probably dive into this to get a more accurate number. On the flip side of that coin, if, if you're using a current owner's insurance number on your underwriting, but you have a Fannie or Freddie loan that requires a lot more insurance, you could have your loan proceeds cut. So it's a very, very volatile line item that needs to be addressed on the front end and as you go through the process. Okay. So I appreciate you elaborating on that too. Just how, you know, you saved that person $30,000. That's massive. Yeah, that was a home run. You know, I like sharing that one because it was a home run, you know, but even the littlest of line items, I mean, you know, premium savings, if you're paying 50,000 a year and you're talking about saving, you know, even 10%, that's five, $6,000 a year. That's, I mean, that adds up year over year. So I like to, that you are also a real estate investor or you have been, uh, you know, in the past as well. Are you still investing in real estate personally? Small stuff. I've got a rental house in Orlando. That's always been, <laughs> that one's going to be close to my heart. That was the first house I bought. When I started our company back when I, we were 19, we were just kids and we started doing uh, tax deed properties and we got an attorney involved and basically had them, this was 02 and 03. So we got an attorney to draw up an eBay ad for us and we were selling tax deeds on eBay on five day auctions, no reserves. And we made a killing and we made a lot of money, but at 19, you could spend a lot of money. So uh, my parents who are real estate investors, they definitely talked me into, you better put some money into something safe. So that house was purchased with the funds of, you know, that 
So I've always kept that one close. Um, I lived in that house for a while. I liked that rental house. We bought a few houses in central Florida right before everything crashed. It was a very, very good life lesson to go through that, that real estate crash and what we were doing and how we were doing it because it taught me a lot, a lot about myself and real estate for that matter. So at this point, I've got a few properties in central Florida, some lots, some lakefront lots in South Alabama, but definitely are looking to do more. I would love to do more, just waiting for the opportunity. Okay. So, well, just what I wanted to mention though, is I like that, you know, that you're not just an insurance, but you're also an investor as well. You know, so as you're looking at these deals, you have some experience, but you mentioned on it as well, you're teaching investors and your buyers that maximize profitability, you know, and to assist in both the sale and the acquisition. And, you know, I'd just love for you to elaborate on that a little bit and what that looks like working with somebody like yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So, Typically, we'll have an investor come to us. They'll have an OM or an address or offering memorandum or an address of a property they're looking at. Sometimes they have in that offering memorandum, it's going to show, you know, the line items. It's going to show, you know, what they're paying in taxes and what their NOI is and, you know, those types of things. So when we take a look at that, you know, they'll send that to us. We'll put together a quote based off of that information. Some of the other information we pull from our databases online, as far as building sizes, number of buildings, things of that nature. Um, and we put together a quote. Now this is where it gets fun is if that quote is beating what they currently have, you know, you know that as from an offer standpoint, you might be able to offer a little bit more because you know, your NOI is going to be higher than what they currently have. Or if you're selling, what we do with sellers as well is we'll come in, even if they have a Fannie or Freddie loan, we'll offer them a quote maybe that doesn't have Fannie and Freddie requirements. So that offering memorandum might look a little bit better, you know, for a broker to look at, you know. So it all depends on what side of the fence you're on. You know, if you're coming in as a buyer, you obviously want to try to, you know, the first thing I always ask buyers, especially in today's environment, because you know they're... Fannie and Freddie loans are probably about 90% of what we're writing right now. So if you've got a Fannie or Freddie loan, you definitely want to make sure you're, you know, measuring twice, cutting once, right? So you want to make sure that, you know, if we do a quote, it's going to be based off of your lender requirements. So you don't get a quote, put an offer in, you know, using this lower insurance quote with the increased NOI. And then we have Fannie or Freddie say, uh-uh, we need to add this. We need to add ordinance in law. We need to add an umbrella. You need flood insurance, you need equipment breakdown, you need all of these pieces, and then your insurance goes up by 20%, and now the property doesn't look as appealing to you. So on the front end, that's what we try to do. Um, with a seller, we try to get it down so it looks more profitable to you know when it goes up for sale. So those are some of the things we do. Once the property is bought, we like to get with the owner. We have a loss prevention team, which basically comes out and just assesses the property from any type of risk adverse situation. If there's cracks in the concrete, if there's, you know, steps that, that need to be repaired. And I know a lot of people are like, you know, that is oh man, more CapEx, right? More stuff that we've got to fix, but long-term big picture. We see that those things, if you have stairs that are decrepit, you will have a tenant that tries to slip and fall. And now you've got a lawsuit. It's just, it's the law of large numbers. That's just how it works. You know, if there's cracks in the concrete, someone is going to slip and fall. You want those things fixed because 
guess what? If we do pay a claim, it's going downhill, meaning they're going to pass that on to you as the owner. They're going to say, hey, you know, we paid out. Just look at it from just like any other business. If you had a tenant that was constantly breaking things in your unit and it was costing you $800 a month to go in and repair all of the stuff this tenant was causing damage to, but they were only paying you $600 a month in rent. Wouldn't you want to try to get rid of them as quick as possible and get someone in there that's going to make you a little bit more profitable? It's the same as insurance. You know, if an insurance company has a risk that is costing them $100,000 a year in liability claims or water damage claims or, you know, fires or things of that nature, but they're only bringing in $20,000 a year, well, at some point in time, from a profitability standpoint, they have to say, you know, let's try this again in a few years when you make your property safer. So are there any kind of checklists we could be using while we're going through this process or for insurance for that piece of this puzzle? Yeah, yeah. I actually, um, I have one right here that we try to go through, you know, from a pre-LOI standpoint, you know, as far as your underwriting and getting numbers to once you get into due diligence and doing a little bit of homework as far as the property, requesting loss runs from the previous owner, looking at their policy versus your policy and what your lender is going to want. You know, a lot of properties, the location of the property is going to change your price. If you're on the coast, you know, you can anticipate much higher insurance premiums. If it's a property built in the 60s, 70s, 80s, even early 80s, and they have aluminum wiring, that's going to be something that's going to increase your insurance costs. Things like that, looking into those, is it student housing? Is it vacant? You know, if, are you looking at this property and saying, okay, this is a huge value add play. We're 30% occupied. So there's eight buildings that are empty. Well, your insurance professional should know that because that's going to be a completely different type of policy that they're going to have to write for you to protect you properly. So, you know, once the property has been purchased, there's, you know, this is what we do with all of our owners. We sit down and say, okay, this is your property now. This is what we found through our risk assessment situation. These are some things we want to see addressed. You know, we'll circle this wagon in 90 days and, you know, the objective is to make sure that you know, no one wants losses, not you as the owner, not the insurance company, not me. It affects all of us. I know that as from an insurance standpoint, there's a negative connotation, but it does. It affects everybody when there's losses paid. So I think we're all on the same page as trying to, the objective is to make sure that this property is safe and profitable. No doubt about it. And I wondered, I appreciate you going through some of those items, and but I wanted to ask you, you know, how often and how much is the difference from, say, the seller's insurance policy to what you're quoting, you know, the new buyer? What's the normal, you know, the difference there, say, you know, even in the types of insurance or coverages that they have to even the cost? I hate to do this. It's going to vary. I mean, it all depends. I mean, insurance is peace of mind, right? That's what I sell. I sell peace of mind. You know, what might make seller give him peace of mind might not do that for you as buyer. You know, we look at that line item, you know, it is a starting point to say, okay, you're paying about this. And being that, you know, we've been doing this for 10 years, just about every day, we know if it's within ballpark, if it's the number that we look at it and you're at $150 a door, well, we're going to look at it and say, well, you probably don't have enough insurance. You're not covered properly. You know, if they go in and we have another one we're working on right now that they're close to $1,000 a door, we're like, okay, something's not right there. That's high. You know, as far as per door, there really is, 
it all depends on coverage. You know, I mean, if someone's got a Fannie or Freddie loan or, you know, we're able to look at that number and say, okay, they might have flood insurance. They might, that's why it's high. Or they could have a Fannie or Freddie loan and that's what's running it up. There's just so many different variables, Whitney. It's, it really is tough to just say, sure, this is, you know, a rule of thumb is you're going to be paying 10% more than the previous guy. You know, I mean, yeah, I just wanted to reiterate, you know, drive home that we need to contact somebody like yourself, maybe not just go off those old or the seller's policy. You know, it's like we got to have a professional like yourself on our team, you know, so we can be, you know, during the underwriting process. I want to know, I want a pretty good number of what that insurance is going to be, you know, and be communicating with somebody like yourself. So we know that, you know, long before, you know, it's a final number, you know, that we think the property is worth or uh, or what the insurance is actually going to cost us, say, per unit or overall. So what are some of the bigger problems that you see, you know, investors making uh, on the insurance side, you know, when we're, whether it's from underwriting or whether it's not getting the correct coverage? Well, what I see a lot of, and especially now is, you know, these are investment properties, right? So most people are going to be number driven. They're going to look at a quote and say, well, this one's $100 cheaper or $1,000 cheaper, you know, whatever that number is. And you run the risk of, you know, what are you going to do in the event of a claim that's going to, you know, increase your rates by 10 times that because you didn't have coverage or you're going to have to come out of pocket. You know, a lot of people get caught up on the number itself. And I get it because look, I mean, that's what you're looking at. You're looking at a spreadsheet of numbers and you want that NOI to be as, as high as possible because for your investors and for you and, you know, but you also want to make sure that you're protected because the last thing you want to do is go to your investors and say, Hey, look, I know I saved us a bunch of money on our insurance, but that policy did not have ordinance and law coverage and ordinance and law coverage is a big piece when you've got a building that you're looking at a value add play that the building was built in the eighties and you have a partial loss now and the city's like, well, you've got to get this entire building up to code. Well, you don't have that, that. An insurance policy doesn't have that built in most of the time. That's an added coverage. Fannie and Freddie require it. That's how important it is. And if that's not in your policy, you're going to be on the hook and you're going to have to go to your investors and say, you know, hey, I know I saved $1,000 on our insurance, but I need 20000 to fix this claim. You know, <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough conversation to have with somebody. So, you know, I think that some of the other things I see as far as uh, underwriting is, some of the schools of thought are use X for door and we're just not in that market anymore. It's every market's different. Every, you know, construction type close proximity to coast. Is it vacant? Is it student housing? What type of roof? What type of wiring? There's so many different pieces and nuances that go to that. It makes it tough to say it's 250 a door. And that's what people are so used to doing because they want to, you know, blowing and going on these underwritings, you know, they're taught to underwrite a hundred deals a week or 20 deals a week. And, you know, so plugging that number in is the fast way to do that. And I get that. And I understand that I do, but if you go into a deal and you sign an LOI doing in that, you're going to be disappointed. I mean, we've seen a lot of situations where lenders are cutting loan proceeds because of that. Because, you know, even lenders are doing it. We had a lender do it with a coastal property once. They used inland, you know, offshore, like, uh, rates for a coastal property. And the insurance was about 30 or 40% higher. 
and they wanted to cut loan proceeds a week before closing up to $200,000. We had to get creative with deductible structure and, and things of that nature to kind of help offset that. And we got lucky doing that. But, you know, we see that very, very often where it's like you said, just no one knows what's going on in this insurance world. And that's what we try to do. Sure. We just try to, Hey, look, this is what we're here for. This is, you know, just like every team should have an attorney and a, and a property man, you know, and all of those things. We, right. we want to be the insurance guy for your team. How does the finance piece affect the insurance? In what ways? Like what type of loan we, we get? So Fannie and Freddie, those are the real big ones. They're going to increase your insurance costs. But it's been my experience that even with the increased insurance costs, the juice is still worth the squeeze. The Fannie and Freddie, I guess, interest rates and things of that nature are still very, very investor friendly, even with the higher insurance rates, because we have investors that have Fannie loans and, you know, conventional loans and local bank loans. And, you know, they'll still go to Fannie if they can, because the rates are so good. And at the end of the day, when we write a Fannie and Freddie insurance policy, when they have a loan and we write that insurance policy, I always feel much better about that policy because it does provide peace of mind. If it was my property and I was insuring it, that's how I'd want it insured. And especially if I had a team of people that are trusting me with their money and their investment, that's how you want it insured. They do it right. Now, you know, you could be a riverboat gambler and you know, increase deductibles to 25,000 and, you know, lower cost to just what your bank loan is. And, you know, you can do that and you can lower your rates. And if that provides you peace of mind and you're okay with, you know, coming out of pocket in certain circumstances, then, Hey, that's your prerogative. But, you know, typically with who your audience is and who you're talking to, they've got a lot of people they got to answer to, you know? So I think that the Fannie and Freddie loans, yeah, they're going to, increase your rates, but they're also going to give you that peace of mind to know that if a, you know, a snowstorm or a fire or a tornado comes to town, you're covered, you're taken care of. So just a few questions before we have to go, Clinton, or before we're out of time. Uh, but what's a way that you have recently improved your business that we could apply to ours? So we just got back from a conference out in Denver, which was great. And Something that we definitely need to do. So we have kind of gone on a lot of webinars and trying to do the podcast to get, I guess, the news out there as far as insurance is concerned with real estate syndication. With doing that, we've been very fortunate to meet a lot of people. The problem with that is trying to, I guess, maintain that data and stay in front of those people. And so some of the things that we've learned is, as far as funneling some of this stuff from this past conference was real good stuff as far as how to do that and staying in front of these people and providing as much value as we can. I mean, that's at the end of the day, I just want to be, you know, the mayor of my village. I want to be when somebody, an investor thinks apartment insurance, I want my name to be the next best thing. So we try to be teachers more than anything else. So if there's ever a question and, and I'll tell you, if I can't write this, here's a guy that can, you know, to me, that goes a lot further with people than, you know, closing the deal. What's the number one thing that's contributed to your success? I think that just being upfront and honest with people. And if I can't write your insurance, I'll tell you if, I, if it's a good rate, I'll tell you if the company's a good company and that's a good quote, I'll tell you, you know, at the end of the day, 
I just want to be a part of your team. That's it. I want to be, like you said, the insurance professional. If there's an opportunity to do that, great. If not, well, you know, I'm a fairly young guy. I've got a long time in this business before it's all said and done. So, you know, that's pretty much, I guess, my spiel. Yeah. And how do you like to give back? Information. I mean, basically what we've talked about today, like you said, what we experienced is not a lot of people know about insurance and doing this. They've got their full-time job that they're trying to transition to become a full-time investor. And let's face it, insurance is boring. It really is. It's not a cool, you know, I have yet to meet a child, and I've got three children myself that grow up and say, you know what, I want to be an insurance salesman, you know, so that doesn't happen. So we try to make it, you know, simple and easy and teach them what they need to know to kind of make our jobs easier. And most importantly, how can people get in touch with you, Clinton? Okay, yeah, my direct line is area code 256-975-4964. My email is orrc2 at nationwide.com. Or you can find us online at theinsuranceguyonline.com. Awesome. Thank you, Clinton. That's a wrap. Thanks. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.